slice it and dice it. Right, dig it. Okay, absolutely. I'm I'm actually, I just started recording, uh, so I mean, this stuff is probably not going to go on the podcast, but. Just be careful because I could potentially use any of this against you. <laughs> so, right, I, just, right. I just want you to be on your guard. Well, can I can I snuggle with a kitten while I'm uh, doing this? Well, uh, yeah, whatever. First of all, you need to edit that out. <laughs> Snuggling with the kitten? <laughs> Dude, we all know you gay for cats. There are times when you find lobsters in a bucket can't climb out. Why? Won't they climb away because of the lobsters? Pull them down. Cherry crabs and river crabs and we both talk and swear. Yeah, it's greedy, comes right up, boy, you say, right off the track. Mother through a swoop white dog and sneak you in a hole. Friends help each other any way they can. When you're up at bat, they'll be your biggest fan. First half of Full Metal Jacket. Okay. <laughs> I really the Hurt Locker was probably my favorite war movie yet, except maybe for Apocalypse Now, because it was such a straight just depiction of the of Iraqi uh, bomb dis, dis, dismantling, and there was no uh, there wasn't much of a political slant. It was just this is it. This is the war. We're going to show it to you, and it was done really. Yeah, really it was well. more. Um, it was less about like like he said like about it was less about the politics and more about like this dude is a crazy bomb disarmer. He's awesome, and this is his <laughs> life. <laughs> well, part of it was no, the, no. go ahead. What about? Uh, no, sorry, go ahead. The reason that I liked it probably more than Donald is because I just locked in on the main character, the the bomb disarmament guy, and I just totally got him. I completely got him, and I, I, it's just like Vic. When he saw There Will Be Blood, like, he and Daniel Plainview, he's like, that's me. You know, that's who I want to be. <laughs> and, like, uh, Donald, I think in your case, it was like, when you saw Swordfish, you were like, oh, Hugh Jackman. That is my life right there. That is <laughs> that, that is me. Well, for me, it was the guy from, uh, it was the guy from, uh, from uh, the Wait, Hurt Locker. Was, was Hugh Jackman the one who got the uh, while he would have had to yeah. have it. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> no, no, no. What about the Green Zone? Um, I might see it. I mean, I like the director. I like the Bourne movies. Um, I read that it was the most heinously anti-American movie in decades. Really? Yeah. I read the opposite on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of people were saying, like, they played it too safe. They didn't really go into the politics. They just wanted to make an action movie. So, I don't know. Probably not very pro-American. Yeah, I don't know. I'll check it out. I mean, that is the same guy who did uh, United uh, um, United ninety one. All I'm saying is that ninety three. Ninety three. Thank he you. Doesn't like America, and he's in this movie. Uh, that's a fair assessment, I'd say. I mean, so. he's one of the he's one of the uh, Howard Zinn compatriots, and I mean, we've all read the we've all read a People's History of the United States. It's basically like <laughs> it's a handbook, like why to hate, how to hate America, and why you should hate America. <laughs> yeah. Part one and two. Yeah, America sucks. Part one. America is really <laughs> lame. They suck, and we should kick them in the nuts. <laughs> they kill Native Americans on a regular basis. That was that was legit though. The Native American thing. That's really one of the great uh, tragedies, I think, of world history. It was a it was a loss of an entire cultural block of the world. You know, where else? Yeah, does but that yeah, but it, no, you're right. You're right. It's a tragedy that that it was lost, but. The idea that we systematically killed them. I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, Trail of Tears, isolated yeah. incidents of pox on blankets. Um, it was not a systematic, you know. There was a uh, systematic breaking uh, of treaties and moving them into smaller and smaller settlements. Uh, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't an extermination program, but it was a resettlement right. program. Yeah, it wasn't right. like we That's put them on trains and let them ride them until we killed them. Yeah. Yeah, but I. But we let them walk across the country. Keep going. I'm not sure. I mean, it's you, in those kind of contexts, it's it's presented as a systematic extermination, as uh, rather than a systematic uh, resettlement. Well, I wouldn't. I would never accuse Howard Zinn of being truthful. So, 
I mean, we, we killed them mostly through dis- we most of the death was through disease. I shouldn't yeah, say we was, killed uh, them. It was, but it, but it was unintentional. I I think that's accurate. I think most of the deaths were unintentional. Yeah, uh, so that's I, all. I'm- it, it it definitely wasn't like the you know Hitler Nazi thing. It wasn't like we were just like, all right, it's time to get rid of some Indians. No, but uh, I think it was, it was in that. I think it was, it was in that ballpark. Uh, I don't. It was it was close, but it wasn't like an organized uh, as far or extermination not program. Exactly. Yeah. And even though it's terrible, it wasn't like the U.S. government was saying, all right, look, these Indians, they got to go. They're a problem that need to be dealt with, and the way to deal with them is to kill them all. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, but wait, let's let's get back to movies, okay? Because um, <laughs> that's that's a really heavy topic, and, you know, uh, God God forbid that I should uh, that we should ever make light of the, the Native Americans and the tragedy that befell them. But um, so let's talk about movies, okay? Um, Tron's coming out. Um, the Donald, what was the other big preview? Iron Man Two is coming out. Zach, did you like Iron oh, Man? Looks, yeah, that looks yes. awesome. Who didn't? Uh, oh, you know, it had a weak nervous. ending, though. You have to admit, the ending to Iron Man was real—it was almost '80s style. Like it got it got goofy in the like big big trouble in Little China type way. Like, it got Wait, really are you goofy. talking about how he sort of refers to the the ju- not Justice League? Um, no, no, I'm talking about when he's fighting the villain and uh, Pepper Potts is like running away right. in front of a green screen and just the bad acting and all the cheesy one-liners. It was, they really ran out of steam when he stopped building the suit. And then they were like, okay, we're going to wrap yeah, this I, up. I'd agree with that. <laughs> but that suit was so bad. You're right. You're right. And, okay, Donald's movie taste. Now, we yeah, didn't do that, this last time. The- Your movie taste is so jacked. No, <laughs> that is not true. Zach, <laughs> did, you like, did you like Death Proof, the Quentin Tarantino movie in, uh, in Grindhouse? Uh, I've never seen it, but oh. probably not. Oh, you're missing it. No, it was good. It was really it was, good. Well, do you not like Quentin Tarantino? I don't like him very much. Really? Really? No. Strange. Let's see. I've seen... Uh, I think Pulp Fiction is very overrated. Uh, Kill Bill was, I guess, overrated, too. I don't know. I haven't seen... Uh, what is it? In- Inglorious Bastards? I haven't seen that. It was all right. I The problem I have with it is we have this sort of cultural mythology of, like, the Nazis as the boogeymen, like, the really, really evil men. And, like, mm-hmm. obviously they did a lot they of really evil things, but right? the standard German soldier in the Nazi army wasn't an evil man. He was just a man who lived in a country that was doing evil things. So, right. So I think that the... Well, that, he was he was a man who had been propagandized uh, as a child. Right, but I think most of them disconnected themselves with the real horrors of the, uh, of the, the Holocaust, and they were mostly just, like... Okay, well, we're fighting a war. I'm going to fight to defend my country, which I love, and my families. Motivated like all men are, right? And so I think that kind Absolutely. of that kind of cartoonish demonization of the Nazis is really – I don't think it's helpful. I think that it's a way for for um, the modern – and I, I hate to turn this into a left-wing, right-wing thing. But let's say the modern progressive man to um, who normally despises war um, to be like, oh, well, this is a war that I would have fought – if I lived in 1950, I would have fought World War II happily, you know? It's like, okay, well, yeah, because you've turned them into these, these nightmare boogeymen. That's why, you know? Yeah, that's, that's also what was happening at the time as well, as far as the propaganda machine is concerned. Like, in America, we were once we got into the war, we were doing just as much propagandizing as, as anybody else, almost. Uh, yeah, granted, we, not, weren't, we weren't dehumanizing yeah, Jews. Exactly. We weren't doing that, which is what I was going to say next. But uh, but we were, you know, definitely talking it up and being like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen those advertisements from back in the day, but uh, if I saw that kind of a thing today, I'd be like, what? Where, like, they have the women that yeah. are like, here's your stockings. Why don't you send them into the military? Because then we can give them a real pal. <laughs> and it, like, shows a cannon using, like, women's stockings, like, all sewn together, <laughs> holding gunpowder. Yeah, the, uh, let me see. Hold on a second. I was going to make a really strong point. It was that. Um, it was that. Damn it! All right, go ahead. I did. Tell, I will tell you what I saw recently. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Okay, let me let me say this. I don't. Uh, the it was a good war. World War Two was a good war. The Nazi war machine was a great evil in the world that needed to be removed. But fantasizing about beating in a Nazi officer's head with a baseball bat, like someone who's just some soldier on the front line. And like committing war crimes and atrocities. No, that guy. There's that, no value in that. Okay, no, it was okay for that guy because he was a Jew, 
and they were systematically destroying his people. This was his revenge. Not, like, that, the- not that soldier. Any old soldier in the German army doesn't go press the lever at the concentration camps. He's just some uh, guy who's defending his country. And so I'm not down for I'm not down for fantasizing about brutality and torture and all that stuff. It happens, but I, he was also a higher up. Yeah, well, for the movie, I think that celebration of of the lower he, elements of humanity he knew what is was going uh, on as far as what the movie was descri- uh, describing. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not so down with that. <laughs> but that's Quentin Tarantino in a nutshell, right? Like most of his movies are kind of a celebration of the bestial elements of of human nature, aren't they? Yeah, and I'm down for that. They're entertaining for sure. I mean, I, I loved Pulp Fiction. I'm not going to lie, but no. But uh, I think what I like more about his movies is uh, the dialogue. If it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't like his movies. He has that 1970s style. He's really patient. He'll show an entire conversation. Yeah, um, and it's like you, you sort of hang on every word. Um, I don't know. There's just uh, I'm not really sure how to describe it, but nobody else does it the same way. Uh, the closest group out of, or closest guys I've seen do it is. Um, the, the the brothers, uh, the Coen brothers. And, uh, it was, yeah, their movies are pretty the good. The closest I've seen is Francis Ford Coppola. I think that uh, Quentin Tarantino and Francis Ford Coppola are really close together in their style, especially when it comes to dialogue. Hmm. Not the, I'm not what talking about the around the breakfast, you know, like the tables where every, in Quentin Tarantino, they'll be like tossing barbs back and forth, like the famous scene from Reservoir Dogs. But those are the minority of his conversations. Most of his conversations are one guy talking to one guy, and it's these slow, tense, you know, complete dialogues. And that's exactly how Ford Coppola did his movies, whether it was The Godfather, okay. Apocalypse Now. I mean, that was how he did it. Um. Well, I disagree. Just because, I don't know. Uh, Zach, you're Cop- the deciding vote? The Godfather about, was born. About whether he, about the way he... Uh, yeah, whether Ford Coppola is a good analog to how Quentin Tarantino does dialogue. Yeah, I guess I sort of, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess I sort of agree with Hampton. I think he's got he's onto something there. There you go. All right, next subject. All right. No, 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 no. He said you're <laughs> onto something. Yeah, and no, no. What I, mean, I said is that he is an exacerbation of what Quentin Tarantino does. So this freak Donald, we all started this because I was like death proof. Donald liked the first half of he Death Proof and disliked the second half of Death Proof. He never saw Death Proof. I know, but I'm telling the audience. Um, whoever in the audience has seen Death Proof, uh, the first half is a big setup, and the end is this awesome climax with a whole bunch of stunt work, and it's amazing. And Donald, he, he thought the movie should have ended uh, at the halfway point, which is basically like saying Psycho should have ended when the girl got stabbed in the shower. Yeah, I never saw <laughs> I never saw Psycho, but uh, I'll tell you this much. I agree with Death Proof ending like that. Uh, just like I agree with Full Metal Jacket ending after that dude shoots himself in the head. Um, trying to think of it. I agree that Pearl Harbor should have ended after... <laughs> should have ended after the credits, <laughs> the opening credits. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah exactly. Hampton, have you ever reneged on that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The famous reneging. Okay, dude, that was I'm like 18 to... years old. Come on. Yeah, it was, it was. Yeah, but it took you at least two years to renege. Yeah, because I only saw like the first thirty minutes of the movie. <laughs> uh, Donald, I, you know, wanna... I guess I actually kind of agree with Donald. I don't now, now that I'm thinking about The Godfather and I think of something like Pulp Fiction. Uh, I don't really know that there's uh, too much parallel in between. Mm. Uh, what about Kill Bill? Like the conversations between the Annie Oakley, whatever her character's name is. Think of the think of the conversation between Annie Oakley. And that old Japanese dude with the samurai sword, where she walks into mm. the you know the store, and they just have that long conversation where they're sort of teasing each other and stuff. Like that that one on one is exactly like like what Coppola does in his movies. It's really no, slow. Yeah. See, here's the difference: Coppola's movies are boring. Uh, are you <laughs> serious? Tarantino's movies are exciting. Wow, dude, Zach, back help you, me out here. Are you kidding me? The Godfather you think is boring? Yeah, I was I was pretty bored. Pretty bored. Okay. Oh my! There we go. God, all right, you, you are blaspheming. I know, I know, I know. What about yeah, Apocalypse Now? A lot of crap for this. You gotten you got bored during Apocalypse Now? I never saw Apocalypse Now. Dude, Johnny doesn't surf. Or uh, I didn't saw it. Zach, what's the line? It's uh from. A, oh, I don't know. What, what's the What's the thing that they said about the Viet Cong? It wasn't Johnny. They called them. Uh, they called them. Uh, 
No, uh, Goodfellas was a way better gangster movie than The Godfather. Sons of bitches. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely oh, not. Uh, That's crazy. <laughs> so wrong. This goes Every back. Episode. Yeah, I, Donald, let me, here's, here's what I need to know. On a scale of one to ten, how much did you like Swordfish? Uh, I didn't really like it. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, I thought I had you there. I thought I had you trapped. Like, your, I think your idea of, like, what makes a, an awesome movie is, like, you need the character who's really cool, doesn't follow any rules but it his own, help. and I mean, that, he that, just that makes helps. things happen, like, like John Travolta in, like, every movie he's been in at, since Pulp Fiction. Uh, and that's another thing. I don't really care for him in anything except Pulp Fiction. John Travolta? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. His, his career's been on a huge downslope ever since. No, he was really good in Battlefield, Battlefield Earth, except for that. Let's give him credit <laughs> for that. Yeah, you can't you can't beat an alien flying around in space. Uh, I don't even really know what else the movie was about. Donald, on a scale from one to ten, what did you think about GI Joe? Uh, that was pretty terrible. Charlie, okay. God, I'd how do you guys say, not know that? I'd say like Charlie. I just told you, Handel. I just said Charlie. You didn't hear me. Uh, which Charlie? Charlie? You can go back. You can go back and uh, listen to me say Charlie. I will do that. Charlie doesn't surf. Charlie, no. That's what they, the Viet Cong was. Charlie. That's. What, that's what you call the Vietcon. You're talking about Apocalypse? Yeah. Still? Yeah, Apocalypse okay. now. Um, yeah. No, I just, uh, like, those those moments that you always waited, like, you hear about from The Godfather, like, when the horse's head and, you know, the sleeping with the fishes stuff, like, all the things that gangster movies are sort of, like, uh, like, the quintessential moments of gangster movies... Like, those things were so few and far between. That's the point. You don't love the movie for what all the schmoes... You're talking about what yeah. all the rubes love about the movie. What you love about the movie is it's a it's just a really well-told story from beginning to end. And no, I thought it was a really long and drawn-out <laughs> story. This is... No, it's the... You're talking about The Godfather, right? Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's the characters. I could watch that movie Ugh. every... Yeah. Every week, I, and I would see, never get tired. I'm of it. with you. And see, I did, uh, and like the thing is, I watch so many dimensions of, to it. I watch all of them, all of them together. I watch one, two, and three back to back to back. How was uh, three? By the way, I never saw three. It was also it was also it was worse than the first two. I mean, everybody. I says heard that. that three wasn't very good. Yeah. No, like three. I I I, I was like doing something else while I was watching it. Yeah. Um. Well, what, are was, your, what are your favorite movies anyway? I'm I'm trying to figure out what what the hell kind of movie is going to keep you interested. <laughs> like what what keeps you interested? You were down for Kill Bill though. Uh, I like parts of it. Okay, because um, Quentin Tarantino, ever since Pulp Fiction, his movies are really slow. No, and th- th- that's the thing is, it doesn't matter if it's slow or fast. It's like how you do it. And the way, like, I, I guess I'm going to keep drawing back to The Godfather. The way The Godfather was done, it was like these, like, voiceovers by, the, I don't even know who it is. And they're not interesting, inform- it's not feeding you a bunch of interesting information. It's feeding you, like, one bit of inf- interesting information for, like, every five-minute span of voiceover. I don't think there or, was a voiceover uh, in The Godfather. Okay, Donald, you need to watch it again because <laughs> Maybe so. I find uh, – seriously, I find that every time I watch it, I learn something new because it's a very intricate story with very complex characters. And the first time Hava watched it, she was she had no idea what was going on the entire movie. And I'm like, wait, you don't know that character? That character's this person. They just showed them. Um, so, because it's so complicated, you actually have to watch it more than once, and then you can really get into it. I know it sounds funny, but I don't know. I didn't find no, The know. Godfather to I be all what, that. Complicated. No, I see what you're saying because, like, a lot of the they don't let you know, like, physically what each person like is gonna constantly have. So, like the the brother Freddy, um, like he doesn't always look like Freddy from the beginning. Like he his his image sort of changes whenever Fredo. depending on what he, yeah Fredo yeah. His image sort of changes, like, depending on where he is. Like, if he's acting crazy and the camera's, like, zoomed out a lot, then, uh, you know, you may not recognize him. I, I can see that. You know, so, Hampton, I'm, Go ahead. I'm not saying that The Godfather is really complicated. What I'm saying is that they introduce so many characters, characters in such a small amount of time yeah. that you can't keep track of them the first time you watch. And, you know, that's a really good sign of a filmmaker. My favorite, well... I have no problem with complex movies. That's the problem with American movies right now oh. and American stories in general is everybody yeah, wants they to tell get, you everything. They want to get spoon-fed. This is why Harry Potter is so popular among adults because yeah, the book just spoon-feeds you every bit of information. It practically wipes your butt for you. Like a good book and a good movie isn't going to hold your hand. They're just going to present the information. They're going to show it to you. And you might have a couple holes that you need to think about. But for God's sake, it's thinking about 
what you've just seen really going to hurt your experience that badly? I don't think so. Okay, so like as far as classic, uh, like you know, classically good movies go, um, I I really liked uh, I liked Clockwork Orange. I liked Requiem for a Dream. I liked uh, yeah, and the I liked two thousand uh, two thousand one Space Odyssey. Interesting, and that was slow. That was slow, yeah. but uh, but I still liked it because it was dealing with like it's, it's guys hanging out in outer space. Like that's awesome. So they need to. So there needs to be an element of good movie, and there also needs to be the bread and circuses. So they need to appeal to you on like both levels, is what you're saying? Yeah, like I want to be able to like sort of zone out sometimes, if if need be, uh, when the story starts getting a little silly. Okay, but and, so if uh, Godfather was, if they did Godfather in space, then <laughs> you're down for that movie, right? No, because that's just silly. Yeah. Uh, Zach, but, uh, are you it, still here? I think Zach's gone. He's left us. I think so. Here, I'm just. Uh, Are you betting? Yeah, I'm still. I'm de- you were no, molesting I'm the respo- cat, weren't you? You no, were molesting I, the cat. Yeah, I, no. I'm responding <laughs> to Ethan's bullshit <laughs> whenever he says. <laughs> when he, it just, he says boo who? I'm like, okay, well, you know what? You. You know, just- <laughs> oh, God. The Zach Ethan combo is one of my favorite combos. Oh, Zach, I never told uh, I never told you. Me and Ethan came up with uh, our ideal future. You ready to hear it? Wait, you and Ethan came up with you. An, an ideal I- future. This is like, if we could pick any future, this would be the future. Zach. Zach! God, son of a bitch. All right. Wait, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, no. no, we can now, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Oh, okay. All right, so okay, check so it out. Ahead. Here's the ideal future, okay? Um... Imagine the, you know, uh, the movie Armageddon? Yep. You know how Bruce Willis and his ragtag group of, like, astronauts are, like, heading to blow up the asteroid, and there's, like, the scene where they're walking towards the camera in slow motion. It's that really cliche, like, shot that's in, like, every third movie that ever comes out. Yep. Every action, yeah. Right. Okay, so imagine that, except replace Bruce Willis and his cohorts with you, Jesse, and Jacob Trant. Okay, all right. you're going to space. All right, you're going to space. Now you might ask, how did we get the rocket? Well, I can answer that question, my friend. The rocket was built by John Henry and Donald. Okay, right. and uh, Mission Control. You're like, well, who's going to direct us? Well, Mission Control is going to be me and Ethan. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. So you're, start, you're starting to get an idea of why this is. Why this is our ideal future. Maybe not yours. So the way this goes down is it's like Jacob and Jesse are constantly getting more and more angry at each other with each passing day. And there's the there's the persistent threat that one of them is just going to evacuate the oxygen and kill all of you. Okay, You're the one who's trying to like hold it together, like keep the mission afloat. But the rocket ship keeps breaking down. And so you like consult the uh, consult the uh, the the repair air manual but it was written by donald and so it's like a lot of it's a lot of pictograms it's like a picture of a guy with a wrench and then like a picture of like the rocket like fully functional and then a picture of like a smiley face and you're just like what the hell is this This isn't giving me any information meanwhile ethan and i are on the ground level uh drinking and smoking and uh giving you uh instructions for your next task all of the tasks have been selected ahead of time for maximum uh our own amusement um, and this is this is our ideal future. That's that's it. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. And then you know, the worst part is going to be having to communicate to Ethan. He's going to be like, "What? What? You can't do that? What? You just turn it, Zach. Zach, just turn the rocket." <laughs> no, Zach, that's Ethan during the day. Okay, Ethan during the night is going to be more like, I'll let you boy, I'll let you boy, I'll let you boy, why, 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 it's just like incoherent, wasted, and you're not going to get anything done. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, that's so funny. If I get a billion dollars, then that's that's what I'm doing with it, just so you know. Well. Okay, what video games are we looking forward to? What video games have we played in the last year? Any? Um, I, I've actually been playing a lot of video games. Really? What system? Surprisingly. Uh, 360. Okay. What you got? All right, so um, what I'm playing currently is Final Fantasy 13. How is it? Uh, I like it. Yeah, um, I heard it's really linear, but like 
I'd like linear nowadays that I'm busy. Back in the day, I probably wouldn't have liked it, but now I'm like, yeah, come on, keep moving me forward. Right. Got to get this game done. So I tend to like more linear games like uh, Morrowind and uh, Elder Scrolls. Yeah, yeah, that that kind of stuff is a little too uh, big for for my taste. So yeah, I like I like the sort of straightforward. But you know, I could even get as big as like Final Fantasy VII. It's not. It's this is much more linear than that. Right. Uh, it's it's very good. There are a lot of lot, lots of CGI, lots of cutscenes. Yeah. It's very very story driven. Very very little um, uh, like battle. Now, I would say very little, but it's a little less uh, focused on the battles than say the story. Um, so you know, the older Final Fantasies. You know, I've I was always I've always been a big fan. Um, you know, like. Uh, in this game, you don't buy weapons. Uh, you can upgrade them, and uh, they just have some strange. Um, I've heard that every that they turned a lot of the conventions on their head for this game. Yeah, they they really have, and I, I like it. It's a good story. It's interesting, but every the the, the fact of the matter is though that every time I play it, I feel like I want to be playing Final Fantasy VI. Really, yeah. six. And in fact, the one I, for Super I Nintendo. Wanna... You mean? Yeah, with Maul. Can you remember Maul? No, yeah. Super Nintendo. Super, yeah, the yeah. Super Nintendo one. Uh, it was uh, yeah. it was Terra. She was the main character. Yeah, Terra. Yeah, that's right. So do you remember you and I had an argument one time? I said six was definitely the best Final Fantasy ever, and you said it was seven. Mm, I'd say okay. Well, I'm not talking about the best one. I I still stand by the fact I think the best one was seven because uh-huh. seven brought it to like you know the new generation. They had a lot more like graphical power and CGI, so they were it was sort of that transitional game. Um, uh-huh. I think that the one I had the most enjoyment out of was actually maybe nine, and this is going to be really controversial, but I really liked eight a lot. And I know the okay, characters I... are really lame, but if you can get past the characters in eight, the the world is really cool, and the places in the you go and the things you do are just really really cool. I think it stands up very well to any other Final Fantasy. I agree. I actually liked eight when lots of people gave it shit. Yeah. Um. I mean, but, it is a lame sort of character base, but... It does. Yeah. Squall is just a stupid name. And by the way, the, char- <laughs> the characters in here are Snow and Lightning. Yeah, and, I heard that the... And Hope. Okay, and so hope. true or false, true or false, the game will be more fun if you and I play it together and drink heavily, like, over the course of the game. So, like, we're watching Absolutely. the story, but we're, like, making fun of it. Absolutely more okay. fun. All right. Yeah, I would figure. But let me just say this to interject my point. Um... There was a Game Informer, yeah. and they did a list of the best video games of all time. Yeah. And Final Fantasy VI ranked above all the other Final Fantasies. Yeah, well, look, it's a that is something that people debate to this day. Um, yeah. I just know that I had more big memories, I guess, from. Uh, it, I don't know. It's a tough one. It. it I'm. I'm. It is tough. I'm going to straddle the fence on that one. I don't know which one I like more. No, I've, have you ever played Ten? That was horrible. I guess there's Ten. There's 10, 11, and 12, right? I, I didn't play that. 10 was really I bad. To- 10, I couldn't get past the main character. I, I couldn't get past him. It was too much. Couldn't. What about 11? Is there even 11? Yeah, 11, 11 was supposed to be one of the best ones. It's supposed to be a much like... Really? It's a much more mature story. The characters are more fully rounded. It's more of a situation where like the villain, you can kind of sympathize with him. Like He's kind of trying to do good in his own way. Um, I've heard nothing but positive things about 11. What about 12? I might be mixing up 11 and 12. 11 was the oh, okay. MMORPG, so not 11. 12 was the, oh, was the okay. one that was like... That was the last one on PlayStation 2, and it was like a single-player game, and it was supposed to be really, really good. Interesting. Yeah. Donald, video games. Uh, what about them? Played any? Uh, not really. Yeah, neither have I, to be honest. I'm playing some old-school games to, like... Uh, you know, just like little spare time type stuff. There's this awesome one. It's like an old uh, 8-bit style, you know, really big pixels. Um, it's called uh, Dukutsu, uh, and it means like Sky Castle, I think. And it's it's basically just a really awesome side-scroller <clears throat> with uh, with like a heavy story. It's You need to look it up. Anybody, yeah, check actually, out Dukutsu, uh, D-O-U-K-U-T-S-U. It's awesome. You can get it for free. You can download it hey. and play it. Hey Hampton, yeah. uh, we we should I completely should have talked about this uh, and Donald too. Have you guys seen the new Miyazaki movie? Uh, coming out? No, or there's, is it out yeah, already? What? It's out already. Oh, what Ponyo, Ponyo by the Cliff. Po- yep, Ponyo. Yeah. Yeah, oh, man, I'm way out of this. It's it's good, dude. All of his movies are really good. I'm 
I'm of yeah. two minds at this point, though, because what with my religion and all, like, idolatry is kind of a, a big thing. So, like, when uh-huh. I see those people, like, bowing to, like, the, the sea goddess or whatever, it's it sort of makes me uncomfortable, you know? And so, uh-huh. like, I, I have a double consciousness associated with that. But he's – I really think he's maybe the most talented filmmaker, like, out there right now. I, I, really, I really think that he's up there. He's in the conversation. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's so good at pacing and characterization and just – He's and every movie that he makes is so strong front to back. Hmm. But anyway, um, okay. Is there anything else that we can cover on this? We've got one more minute to go. Um, uh, yeah, um, I guess. Yeah, like I know for me, casual games is pretty much all I've been like things that I can quickly delve in and out of simply like because, um, like on the iPhone, often. Uh, is uh Plants vs Zombies, Tap yeah. Fence, um, numerous tower games, and uh, I actually just recently picked up a stock trading game. What? Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, it's called I Trade. Uh, it works pretty pretty well for the most part. Um, you cannot set buy and sell limits, but you um, so like you have to physically trade it whenever you're ready to trade it. That's the only real problem with it. So, but there's no, obviously there's no, like, company history or anything you can read. They don't make, like, fake companies. No, they use, they use real companies. Oh, so, so it's just a game, yeah. it's just a way to take, like, 10,000 imaginary dollars and invest it and see how you do? Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, and they actually use real stock? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty freaking awesome. I think you can do that on Google Finance. I think that you can make an imaginary portfolio and see how you do. Dude, that's okay. so cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I haven't looked for one on the desktop yet simply because uh, I usually don't spend that much time on the desktop um, to where I have, or at least I don't spend a lot of downtime on the desktop. Um, so the only time I play these games is whenever I'm waiting for something, like between classes, in line, or whatever, you know? Hmm. Let me, ch- let me look at something. Nice tail EP. Mostly while I'm driving, though. I like I like playing games while I'm driving. It helps, it helps keep me focused. Very good. I'm sorry, I'm not laughing. I'm looking for the. Uh, there's no, a really. there's a there's a game that I wanted to recommend to you. I saw a video of it on uh, IGN. It's for the uh, iPhone, and they they it's one of those old. Their inspiration was those old, really highly pixelated, like old school adventure games, mm-hmm. and it looks amazing. It looks so cool. It like it takes pixel art and it takes it to the next level. The next level up. It's time to take this to the next level. Sword <laughs> and sorcery EP, I think. Yeah, yes. Yes, so, there uh, it is. Okay, I'm Google mistaken. it. Google it and check it out. You're gonna be amazed. Sword. What's it called? Sword and sorcery EP. Huh. Yeah, like you know what I really like to do with uh, my phone is jailbreak it. You already did. Uh, yeah, but I I upgraded to three one three, the newest update. Uh, and yeah. And what, so so if you updated it after you jailbreak it, does that cause any problems? No, it just unjailbreaks it, which was a terrible idea because normal I, I didn't think about it because normally they they release the jailbreak version within like a week, so I was like you know I can spend a day or two without it, but it's been like a month and they still haven't released one for the three GS, so. Never gonna unjailbreak my phone, or never update my phone again if they ever make a jailbreak for this. We need to do okay. What are the games? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Why are you never gonna jailbreak your phone again? Never gonna update my phone again. Oh, unless, I see. Unless there's a jailbreak. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah, my problem is that uh, there's no untethered jailbreak for my version. Wait, what do you mean untethered jailbreak? So, <clears throat> usually, what you can do is you can jailbreak your phone and then. You're you're happy. Every, everything's good, right? Well, they ha- that's that's considered an untethered uh, jailbreak. For my particular version of my phone, they only have tethered jailbreaks, which means that if my phone dies, I can only turn my phone back on if I have a, if I'm near a computer with with a program on it. Oof. I have to rerun the. Wait, program. what? Why on yeah. earth would you do what that? What phone do you have? It's the the newest model of the 3GS. Okay. Yeah. Wait a minute. So it, 
I don't understand. Like, is that a choice that is made from like choosing which software you use to jailbreak it, or? Well, there's there's only one software for the 3GS right now, right? Uh, the one that I used before was Black Rain. Right, Black Rain is what I have, and I think that's the only one with the newest models. So, if you have so if you have a model prior to a certain version, you can jailbreak and reboot and restart, and you're fine. But after a particular version, you can still use the jailbreak, but you can only reboot. Oh, all right. Like, Guys, so I've if, got a solution I... to all this. I've got a really easy solution. <laughs> buy the pre. You, yeah, <laughs> sell your iPhone, buy a Palm pre, good to go. No jailbreaking necessary. Done and done. Yeah, but hey, do, do you know that – did Donald tell you <laughs> that you could, you could put free programs on your iPhone? Um, no, I did not tell him that. Yeah, I think that Donald has told me that. I don't think I did. Maybe I did. But yeah, yeah, they um they offer so like you know how the iPhone offers uh, SDK, a standard developer's kit. Um, well, they offer what do you call a PDK. It? Yeah. What does that mean? Um, and they also offer to to certain people an NDK. What does that mean? Uh, a native developer's kit and a personal developer's kit. Okay, so what's the difference? So native allows you to do all the things that like the iPhone will not allow you to do as a developer. Uh... Um, like access. Everything from the base level up. Got it. Uh, as far as your hardware is concerned. Got it. And uh, the PDK is just like for your own, like if you want, if you personally wanted to make like a little to do list thing or something, like you can easily and quickly do it through that. Oh man, I need to, I need to do that. I bet I could make an app that would actually be pretty popular. You, I've told you about my to do list idea. Well, I think dude, be if uh, if you if you did that and like made it well, I would switch over to the pre like ASAP. Hey, I've got an idea for. Here's my. You want to hear my two part. That- plan for fixing palm and like getting them back on the up and ups um fire their advertising team yeah well obviously we do that. <laughs> in fact you can make free ads you know how whenever they go uh nowadays they'll have the big reveal of some new device and the guy talks about it before a crowd of people why not just take clips from that those things are always extremely compelling and like they show the device you have to have a good speaker for that yeah but they usually are good speakers Mm, no, I disagree. Yeah. All right. Well, whatever the case, um, we have our idea for the commercials. Okay. Here's what you do to the hardware. Um, I, this is like my. I think this is such a brilliant idea, and they need to do this. Okay. Get a really sexy woman. Yeah. Get it, and then you when you buy the boots. phone, you get the woman. Then you get the khakis. Then you get the. <laughs> All right. Okay. So here's what you do. Um, you have your phone. You can since it's WebOS, you've got like multiple apps open, right? Here's the beauty part. In the new version, they'll make a high-res screen. You flip it over to the side, okay, and suddenly two apps show up on the same screen. Can you? Are you envisioning this? Like, can you imagine how this works? This is not impressing me so far. I'm trying to offer a better option now, but I can't think of one. Hey, how about a netbook? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's going to be such a bitch to do that on a tiny phone anyway, even if you have two screens. He's such a bitch. Mm. Yeah, I know. That's that's my point, or maybe not my point, but what I was trying to get at. Mm. It's going to be not worth the trouble, I'll tell you that. All right, well, way to crush my dreams, buddy. Okay, actually, I'm going to keep recording something, and we can slide this in, like, earlier. But this was something that I wanted to put in the podcast, on an earlier podcast, but it got deleted. Uh, the whole thing about, like, big businesses and regulation, how it might affect things. So you guys mind if I just give that spiel and I can put it in wherever? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, so I'll interview you, Zach. So, Zach, let's say you're average Joe American, okay? Um, you come home from work. You're eating your macaroni. You've got a six-pack. You pop open a beer, right? Um, and you that's actually, that's actually what I do. You turn on the you, – you watch <laughs> The Hills, Desperate Housewives. Don't do not do that. Maybe, maybe uh, throw on a little bit of uh, – Gilmore Girls. Uh, Gilmore, Gilmore Girls and uh, – and uh, who's the guy on MSNBC? Uh, uh, the the opinion guy who's Chris really... Matthews. Chris Matthews. Chris Matthews. I like Chris Matthews. No, the other guy who's much more of a who's Keith, much more of a Keith douchebag. Oldman. Keith Olbermann. There you go. Yeah, Keith Olbermann. Turn but on Chris some Keith Matthews Olbermann. is a moron. Really? I haven't had <laughs> so, any bad experiences with him. What's wrong with him? Okay, look. So look, I'll tell you what's wrong with him. Okay, he's a whack job, is what he is. He's a hack. Nah, so, for example, he's a good guy. did you see? Oh, no, no. Did you see the the interview, the Fox News interview with Obama? Yeah, sure, no. Okay. Wait, <laughs> what? Are you talking about O'Reilly interviewing Obama? No, 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 no. It was, it was Brett Baer. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Have you seen that? It was recent. It was a big nah, deal. He nah, did it the, Fox, the first time he's ever done it. Okay. okay. So, I, actually, let me you this one. You know how Obama <laughs> likes to filibuster when he's talking? Yeah. Uh, okay. Whether he, uh, whether he does it on purpose or not, talks and talks and talks. He's very long-winded. He's trying to give the Much complete answer, buddy. No, 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 no. Our no, no, president no. is he's, trying to give you the no, real deal. Absolutely. He's absolutely demagoguing like half of his his uh, response. No, he's just so, trying to let you know what's up. He's trying to give you a okay. good answer. Anyway, anyway. I like so him. I'm, I'm serious, Fred dude. Vanderbilt. I like him. I, I'm 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 serious. I, I don't think he filibusters. I hear that a lot. I think it's a little no, bit unfair. No, absolute. You are being ridiculous. You have to listen to these answers. He says, "What do you think about Demon Pass?" And he says everything else besides what he thinks about Demon Pass well, for at least that's also two politics. minutes. Okay, I didn't, then, all right, all right. I didn't see that interview, but there was a lot of, "Oh, uh, you, you know, you're not giving the straight answer." And like a while back, when I was absolutely. plugged into so, the news cycle, and he was a little bit better. I, I don't know how he's like now, but so maybe, maybe he's gotten better. He was not very good. Uh, Okay. Uh, on this interview. So Brett Bayer, they, they only get like 45 minutes, right? Yeah. So he was interrupting him, just trying to keep him on track. He wasn't saying, no, no, stop talking, Mr. President. Or he was like, but Mr. President, let's talk about Demon Pass. He was trying to guide it yeah. into what they were asking, the yeah. questions they were asking. And Chris Matthews, I just saw this video recently. He took all the interruptions in like an entire entire hour-long interview and put them all in 30 seconds. <laughs> And they just made fun of Fox for 30 minutes. Uh, come on. That's a good thing. <laughs> Douchebag. <laughs> okay, take that part. I mean, you can't convince me that it's not okay to, you know, string together all the interruptions and make fun of someone. What's so bad about that? It's clearly misrepresenting the truth. And that's exactly that's exactly what they could accuse Fox of doing. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. No, and, and what was messed up uh, about it is that he actually didn't really answer the questions. Oh, did uh, did you see the interview, Donald? Or yeah, like I did. I did watch it. Did he filibuster? Oh, yes, he did. Okay. Not, no, only did he, not only did he filibuster, but every time Brett Bear would try to get things online, he'd be like, no, 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 now wait, Brett. Wait, <laughs> wait. Let me finish. <laughs> and he'd like put his hand in his face almost and be like, no, 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 no. And then, oh, it was terrible. Well, all right, I, I didn't see it, but I've seen I've seen Obama do this when he was getting uh, interviewed by O'Reilly back during the presidential campaign. No, he handles it as though he's still like on a speech. He's on a he handles it as though he's on the podium. Well, still. what he's trying to do is because interviewers, especially on the ideological networks like MSNBC and Fox News, they ask questions that if you give a simple yes or no, then if you say yes, you're lying, and if you say no, then they're going to demonize you. They give you a dialect. They give you a. Um, a false dichotomy, and what you need to do is say that question is BS, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to answer the question that you should have asked. Because if you actually, I mean, what's a what's a perfect example of this? Is like, do you believe in um, removing benefits for seniors? Well, if someone asked that question, and you want say to institute no. Medicare. Reform, I do not believe in removing. That's what you no. say. It, that's and a lie. You could, if, if you're if you're it, for Medicare reform, then. The logical extension of that is yes, you are for limiting or removing some benefits for seniors. So if you answer you can that, say that too. No, you can't because unfortunately, okay. in our public discourse, the way that people perceive statements like that is they you're you're gone, you're ostracized, you're basically exiled. No, you just say politics. no. I do not agree with cutting benefits for uh, old people. Then you're lying. But let me tell. No, no, no. And then you tell them why it's okay for this bill to pass afterwards, because either it doesn't do that. Or it does do that, and you're lying. Um, yes. So those are your options. Right. So any responsible bill is going to cut any anything that cuts benefits for Medicare. So so Donald, your right, well then, the current then, thing does cut Medicare. So what is your answer to that question? Someone says, question, "Are you for my, are you for limiting um, payouts to seniors?" I would say yes. I am for limiting the payouts because. This is something that needs to be done. Right. Uh, and then you go and tell the truth. So the you don't, problem with you doing... don't just like give the emotional response answer of no, and then also back up the bill no. and like give the bullshit. Answer. No, what you do is you don't answer that question because if you answer it in the affirmative, which is honest, then that's going to become a sound clip, which is going to be replayed and replayed and replayed unfairly, and it's going to be fuel for the fire that demonizes you and misrepresents your words. So you have to be smart as a politician. You can't just say yes to questions that are leading. You can't do it. And he doesn't. And he's wise for not doing so. So that's my opinion on that.
Where'd yeah. that go? Why is he not screaming I'm at here. me right now? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think you're a crazy man. I don't think it's wise. I think it's misleading, dishonest, and uh, that is the problem with politicians right now. We're and talking I- about questions like, do you support Demon Pass? Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, his eventual answer was, I don't think the American people care much about the process. Now, he got to that after about two minutes of talking about other nonsense only mildly related to the issue at hand. Okay. I, uh, so I agree. I, I would respect a politician more who gave an upfront yes or no, and I would be able to deal with the, the answer because I'm a, I think that I'm a mature you know, voting member of our society. I understand that there are ups and downs, and I can weigh the pros and cons. All right. I recognize, though... That when someone does that, his political career is going to be very short. It's this is just the fact <laughs> of American politics. It's true. He's right. He's right. Uh, Ron Paul. Yeah, yeah but it, he's still got a he's still got a political career. I mean, he's still yeah, what is he? That's what I'm saying. That's the exception. But he's ne- he will never go beyond representative in a small obscure district. And and that's fine because he's not a very good public speaker. Like there, yeah. there are numerous issues that are that are why he's not going to make it, yeah. and only one very small one is because he's honest. Yeah, uh, I, I think that has very little to do with why he's not on top. Because if he was dishonest, he still would not be on top. No, that's true. That's true. So what I want so, you to but, do is, uh, whenever you guys and the audience, whenever they get a spare wait, hold moment, on. Oh, so you need to finish your hypothetical, Hampton. Um. What, we got we got off on the Chris Matthews tangent. Uh, yeah, I agree, but I do want to give a link to our audience and to you guys. Check out the video, a YouTube video of Congressman Ryan responds to misguided attacks on roadmap, and this will be. I could not explain everything I've just said better than watching this. It's basically the Republican guy who offers an alternative to the health care bill. He's getting grilled by a, a Democratic chair, and she keeps asking him over and over, do you want to cut funding to Medicare? And all she's trying to do is get him to say yes so she can demonize him, and he keeps saying, no, this is exactly how my proposal works, and uh, this is what I'm talking about. Like, if he would have, if Mr. Paul or Mr. Ryan no, they don't let you. If the interviewer doesn't let you state your point, then you leave the interview. It's as simple as that. Well, you'd be like, "Look, I apologize, but you will not allow me to finish my interview." And yeah, they can try and. Cut well, that. now that, uh, if Obama did that, he would be skewered. Yeah, they, they, what they're going to do is they're going to yeah, splice his words on, after he'd, afterwards. He'd be skewered on Fox News, but on MSNBC, yeah, that's that is not going to. That's oh, not they, actually they would they would sing his praises if he did that <laughs> to a Fox News. Yeah, exactly. So like, you still get this. You get the same outcome either way. It's just that one is honest and one is not. But people don't necessarily – well, we don't need to retread this. Um, okay, so we got off on a tangent. We have um, your Joe Sixpack. You're maybe like middle of the road. Maybe you're a little bit liberal-leaning, okay? Um, when you hear the words uh, consumer protection, okay, do you think that, that big business is usually for that, against that, or neutral? Well, I guess it depends on the definition of consumer protection. Well, I'm going. Uh, you're, you're just like Joe Sixpack here. You're like common American. What do you think the common American idea of this is? Oh, uh, I guess that most people would say that industries do not support consumer protection, right? Because it, it, it may be more expensive for them. And you, don't you think most the common man would uh, hear big government and big business, and they would assume that those two things are are usually opposed to each other. They're butting heads. Their interests are opposed. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, I agree. I'm going to try to state the case that the opposite might be true in a lot of cases. Um, so a short history on consumer protection. Um, and, man, I, when we did this the first time, I had so many more facts on hand. Um, begins in the early 1900s. Hello? 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 <laughs> I think we lost him. <laughs> yeah, well, that was anticlimactic. Yeah. Um, but no, he was definitely uh, he was definitely definitely filibustering that interview. Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely. it's kind of sad. Like at this point, like why did he even come on for an interview if he was yeah. not going to say anything useful? I know, I know, and and really, this is the only time they're ever going to be able. Yeah. Hey. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Okay, that that's great. You guys are a bunch. Of- <laughs> what? what? I was I was laughing while I was hearing that. 
Um, okay, so I'm not going to be able to go through the, ne- the neat little history of consumer protections. But here's the case, okay? Consumer protections in the early days, mainly trust busting, okay? Mainly, uh, there are big corporations who uh, have unsafe working conditions and who are distributing maybe unsafe foods or unsafe products to the public, and the government is going to come in, uh, establish regulations, and the big businesses were all against it. Um, you guys with me so far? Absolutely. Okay. Well, fast forward to 2008. That dichotomy might start breaking down at this point. And let me give you a couple of quick examples. Uh, whenever last year, in 2009, um, there were some tobacco regulations that went through, and I'm going to Google it right now. Um, there was tobacco regulation that went through uh, the House, and Altria, the owner of Philip Morris, um, they were – take a guess. Were they for this regulation or against the regulation? Against? They were for it. They were for it. Um, there were four tobacco regulation uh, Family Smoking Prevention and Tobacco Control Act. The most important ally was Philip Morris. The reason is that this legislation um, limits the way that you can advertise tobacco. Who loses most from this? People who don't have market share in the tobacco industry right now. They're the ones who need to most aggressively advertise ah. and market their products. Philip Morris. Philip Morris already has... A, an overwhelming market share. When this regulation goes through, they are Yellow limited, Lord. just like everybody else, but they don't get hurt by it. They, it basically throws the tobacco market into stasis. So all of the little guys get kind of pushed out, and Altria, Philip Morris, is able to maintain its dominance in the market. So that's why they yep. were for it. Okay? And there are other examples of this. Um, the, there was toy regulation after the lead paint, uh, China lead paint fiasco. Um, and there was regulation that was pushed through to require third-party auditing of toys that go out the door. And this was required not just for Mattel, not just for Fisher-Price, but for everybody, including your uncle who, you know, makes little wooden dolls in, like, New Iberia, okay? So small, no, no small business would ever be able to afford to do it. Right. right. The, the big companies can very easily absorb that cost into their overhead, and since they're a big company, they can they – can, find efficiencies that small companies cannot. So they have no problem. Well, they, you know, they do have to pay out less more. Of a they, they, have, they have to pay out more. But the, the, the benefit they gain from this is greater than the detriment because it pushes out competition. So they're basically assured of making um, a certain profit margin every year, and they no longer have to worry about getting out-competed. Uh, another example of this is cap-and-trade. Um, some of the big winners from cap-and-trade that are coming out um, and this isn't this isn't in the same vein as, as the consumer protections and stuff, but this is a regulation on business. And some of the big winners are Dow Chemicals because Dow Chemicals can fertilize fields, and you can get carbon offsets by planting things and by you know reducing greenhouse emissions. General Electric is a big winner because they own garbage dumps in North Dakota that emit methane gas. Methane gas, um, it, if you burn it, it turns into CO2 which is a much lesser greenhouse gas than methane. So they can, just by burning all the methane, they can get all these huge carbon offsets or carbon credits, and they oh, can, that's f- and they can oh. sell them to uh, oil and gas companies, industries, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so there's, there are going to be big winners and big losers from cap-and-trade. Um, yeah. And there's also the – go ahead, Zach. You wanted to say something? <laughs> I, think uh, he's, I think he's steaming. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you I mean I- – Obviously, I dislike. I mean, this is very similar to sort of the healthcare thing now, where the insurance companies are like, "Sweet, you're going to put everybody on our." our oh plan. yeah. Speaking and of the pharmaceutical companies, uh, they they're like, "Yeah, we promise to give you eighty billion dollars if you give us one trillion dollars back." Yeah. So well, most the, of the, the pharmaceutical companies wait, are. Saying Zach, as well. did you know, Zach? Did you know that the AMA is supporting this healthcare bill? Well, the AMA support, uh, represents like twenty five percent of physicians. Yeah, and I'm just saying, like they, uh, they, whenever you say AMA to a normal person, they think, see, yeah, right. You're absolutely. It's right. like a stamp of approval. Okay, so back up a second. Let's get back to some other some other examples of where you can win. Um, bailouts. Okay, say no more. Whoever got a bailout, big time winner, right? Um, yeah. Another example. I work for Shell. Um, and we have the mineral management service, and they come out, they inspect our platforms, they make sure we're not emitting chemicals into the ocean, they do a lot of important functions, make sure we're on the straight and narrow. Um, if, 
the MMS would were to be disillusioned, Shell would be against it, both ideologically because we don't think that you should be polluting, but also on a competitive standpoint, the the smaller operators are going to get a huge leg up if the MMS is dissolved. Uh, on the other side of the coin, if safety regulations were expanded and, uh, and you know, you required more third-party auditing to make sure that you have safe working conditions, Shell would be all, all over that like white on rice. We would fall over ourselves supporting this regulation because we already do it. The smaller guys don't necessarily do it. So right. if it goes through... We don't we don't get anything bad with us. All we get to see we just get to watch a bunch of our smaller competitors drop like flies. So there's a bunch of examples where big business actually is a fan, and that was I think manifested in the relative campaign contributions for the McCain and the Obama presidencies. Um, you know, our president Barack Obama received, and I don't have the statistics in front of me, but it was many many times, uh, or not many many times, but a substantial, a substantially higher portion of donations from a lot of big companies, including Goldman Sachs, General Electric, um, uh, and I think even some of the oil companies. Exxon Mobil, I think, was one of the biggest donors to the Obama camp. Um, and so, oh, I see. So big business like it, but business in general, it's bad for it. Well, but. so the, the, I don't. I'm not coming on this from an ideological perspective. I'm just trying to say this is a more rounded picture than a lot of people might just think. Oh, regulation, well, big business well, it's, doesn't it's like not necessarily. That. It's not necessarily ideological. It's I'm just saying economically. Sure. So my, I think that there are pros and cons to this. On the well, pro the, side, the other thing I'm, you have to. Ahead, the other Donald. thing you have to look at, as far as the uh, money that a senator gets is that uh, unless you pay money, you don't get to see or talk to the senator. That's another way in which big business can actually be helped by this because if there's any big regulation that passes, the ones that are most likely going to either benefit or at least not face as much detriments are going to be the ones that have the money for the best lobbyists. Yeah. Um, it's kind of it's kind of weird, but like makes sense at the same time how that works out. Because uh, I know I know my dad just recently went up to D.C. with a group of doctors from down here to state their case to uh, the senator, uh, to our Louisiana senators. and uh, In support of health care, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. We all laugh heartily. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the thing is, though, like that organization had to put up some serious bucks just to have a 15-minute meeting. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculously absurd how you go about getting your views made. Like, there has to be a better way. I mean, we're living in an age where thing information travels faster and faster and for cheaper and cheaper. There's no reason that you should still have to buy your way into the uh, into the senator's office or a House of Representatives office. Like, yeah. it should, you should easily be able to determine, hey, all right, you've got a Social Security number, so do you, so do you, so do you. You all can get so many emails per month or, like, whatever. Right. And then your staff just collects all the information and then puts it in the ch- uh, charts and graphs, and then you just read off of that. Okay, so let me, let me uh, give you guys something to chew on. Um, I'm in favor of regulations. Um, and I think that you're aware of this from the email forums. Because, and I've given, you the, I've given you what I think is the full picture, but you also have to consider that consumer protections are called consumer protections for a reason, because they protect the consumer. And so the downside of this is that it might be establishing a business hegemony. But on the other hand, you know, there's, I think there's a lot to be said for controlling carbon emissions and um, workplace safety and making sure that kids don't get any toys with lead paint in them. So Nobody's going to disagree with that, Hampton. It depends on what you mean by regulation. I mean if I say I support business regulation, that, that means nothing. Do I support uh, New York? regulating the salt no but do i support making sure lead isn't in kids toys of course well i would let me put it this way um i would be i'm in favor of the uh the cigarette legislation the family uh prevention salt ban yeah um i have no problem with that in favor of the salt ban no not the salt ban the the tobacco one the family smoking i'm saying the salt no, that's idiotic. I want to know about the, the salt ban is idiotic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ban on salt. That's stupid. I'm look, I'm in favor of the states and Donald discussed this. Donald and I discussed this uh, some other day. I'm in favor of states having the power to ban salt if they want to. And God yeah. bless New York. You know, that's the, if that's the society they want to live in, you know, more power to you. But if I lived in that city, I would vote against it and I would be passionately against 
the passage of that yeah. bill. Um, okay, then I agree with that. Okay, but let's. So I'm in favor of the tobacco regulation. I don't think I think that their uh, their advertisements should be limited. I'm in favor of workplace safety, um, uh, including uh, the new legislation that's being proposed in Boston for nurses having uh, higher workplace safety standards. Um, and I'm in favor of cap and trade, but only if our economy is in an extremely healthy period um, and we have the luxury of enacting cap and trade. I don't think that now is the time to do it. So there you go. So I, there, I agree with you 100%. Wow. Um, what, are the, what are the upsides of enacting a cap and trade at any point? The upside is that you incentivize efficiencies – um, you incentivize less emissions of, of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases. Whether or not you believe in global warming, uh, you can believe that a lot of smog around a city is kind of a bad thing, and mm-hmm. if we can find efficiencies, then that's a good thing. But the way that you, I think the way that you do it effectively is you set the cap on a given industry, and you do it in an industry-specific way. Instead of just setting a broad cap across, across the market, and then the people who win are going to be like chemical companies and, and Google, um, and the people who lose are obviously going to be oil and gas producers and industries. Um, you need to make it industry-specific, and you need to set reasonable targets. And then what you're going to do is you're going to reward the people who have already who already have efficiencies in place, and you're going to punish the people who don't. And right, those well, people are going to pay. I mean, it's a, redistribu- it's a redistribution of wealth within that system. So nobody, it's it's not a taxation on the system. It's just a redistribution. All right. So we already kind of do that, actually. Uh, we don't do the re- redistribution of the wealth, but we do incentivize um, efficiency, um, and we do incentivize all this green energy and all that. Like the the thing is, is we're already moving in that direction. The market wants to see it go in that direction. I don't understand why do you need something else to push it along. Like it's already going there. Like I can understand if we were going in the exact opposite direction, and uh, you know this is it's a real problem, and you needed to change it. Yeah, go ahead, make uh, make some legislation if you if you really have to. But uh, we're not going in the wrong direction, so it seems a little redundant, like to a point of punishment almost. Mm. I think it depends on how you feel about global warming. That's really going to decide how you feel about cap and trade. And I'm I'm halfway between the people who think it's a crisis and the people who think that it's not a problem. And so I think that this is something we should do, but maybe shelve right, but for the, a year. The people or two. who think it's a crisis, like the only way you're actually going to prevent it from being a crisis in their mind is to just stop it all. Like a cap and trade bill isn't going to slow it down enough. Mm, okay. Well, I'm not. I'm not down with all the science of that, so I can't answer. I can't answer that coherently. But, um, but yeah, I just wanted to bring right. that subject up. Uh, yeah, I think I think cap and trade is a little silly, especially considering we're going in the in the right direction. Okay, already, um, especially right now. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know enough are, facts about cap things, and trade. What are, what are the other things that you were talking about? Um, safety regulations. Um, you know, like having to get your stuff audited to make sure there's no lead in the in the toys. Um, well, safety regulations. Whenever you're offshore, you need to have you know lockout, tagout. Um, you need to have daily safety meetings. People need to you know behavioral safety training, all that stuff. I'd be down if that was made mandatory. Um, um yeah, I think I think what you were saying about cap and trade, as far as industry specific is concerned, should definitely be it should definitely be that way for safety regulations. So uh, you know. I'm not sure how OSHA handles uh, safety across the different uh, industries, but if it is a widespread or like a like you were saying a broad uh, blanket of of um, regulation, I would I'm against that. Yeah. But I'm for okay, uh, you know, you're working on offshore on a rig. Like these are the measures of safety that we expect you to meet, and so there, yeah, I'm good for that. Versus. You know, just saying, like, the same thing for a guy who works offshore is the same thing for a guy who works, like, in, a, in an office building. Like, right, right. It should not be the same. Maybe not. Zach, I'm going to give you the final word, and then we're going to outro. Hmm. Well, I guess, uh... <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I, think, I think that it's probably a good idea, cap-and-trade. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea now. Yeah. Uh, 
But, uh, I mean, I, pr- I pretty much agree with you. I think that it's not going to be a bad thing to reduce our carbon emissions. Whether it turns out that they are not significantly uh, causing the warming that we're, experience, uh, that we're experiencing, um, it's still, in the long run, probably going to be a good idea to reduce it. So I think it's something that we should start to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot more research. I, one of these days, Donald, we are going <laughs> Donald to purposes. do – We are going to do right. a global warming – like super in depth podcast. There's a condition. There's a condition that I'd agree with this on. Agree with you guys on yeah. for that. And that is only if uh, this is this increases um, spending for uh, science for science essentially. So like if you're not just gonna like take one industry uh, like the oil and gas and then turn it into another big company that does like solar say. Uh, as long as you don't do that. As long as it's like the money's going towards like uh like universities and whatnot to create these projects, uh, that will hopefully turn over the uh, our ability to make new energy in other ways. Then I'd be down for it. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like I don't I don't want just another really big company to run the energy. Um, I think it should be splintered. Um, preferably it should be individualized. So like each person is sort of in control of their own energy resources. Well, Donald, it always starts at home, doesn't it? Yeah. With the family. All right. Uh, let's let's get out of here. Donald, outro. Uh, why don't you just tell everybody your email first? Uh, HamptonUS at gmail.com. And I can be reached at Donnie471 at gmail.com. Also, you can find me on Twitter at Donnie471. Or you can call us on our voicemail at 337-area code 376 Zero four zero six. All right. Uh, let me repeat that number because I actually gave you eleven numbers. <laughs> three three seven. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Uh, that's a three three seven area code three seven six zero four zero six.